And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully you guys had a fantastic Memorial Day weekend. Uh, great show for you today. I was joined by my friend Nick Lindquist. Always a great time talking to Nick. Uh, we talked about guns. Uh, more specifically, the Democrats' complete ignorance on how firearms work. Um, we talked about whether or not the GOP is positioning themselves to grab defeat from the jaws of victory once again. Uh, and we talked about some absolutely brutal poll numbers for President Biden uh, and, and what his floor actually is and a bunch of other stuff. I think you guys will enjoy it. Before I get to Nick, guys, if you haven't already, please follow us on Twitter at NoGimmicksPod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts make sure to subscribe if you're an itunes user please take a couple seconds to leave us a five-star rating and a good review i'd really appreciate that and if you like the show and want to get involved you can support us monthly over on patreon patreon.com slash the no gimmicks podcast all right without further ado the great nick lindquist all right guys we're here at the great nick lindquist nick how you been man i've been great how about you brady I've been fantastic. So we have a ton to get to. Obviously, I was off on Monday for uh, Memorial Day. Um, let's talk about all this gun stuff. It's obviously the talk of the town this week. Like after any mass shooting, the Democrats are out in force uh, demonstrating their complete ignorance um, regarding firearms. And, and these takes, the hot takes this week, are next level. Like even beyond what we usually see, which is saying a lot. Joe Biden, the president, says that a 9mm bullet, which is obviously the most popular caliber on Earth, uh, he said, quote, will blow the lungs right out, whatever that means. Um, NPR this morning said that, <laughs> this is real, this is a real quote, said that 223 Remington will, quote, decapitate an adult, whatever that means. Um, interesting, because 223 Remington is actually so weak that most states, I think it's like 45 states or something, actually outlaw it for hunting even medium-sized game like deer and antelope. So, I mean, these people are <laughs> completely clueless. Corporate journalists who aren't completely clueless are just banking on the fact that their audience is. Correct. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the Joe Biden's, uh, you know, coming for the 9 millimeter is interesting. And also, you know, it can blow the lungs out of an adult or, or a child. <laughs> I don't know what he said. I didn't know I could go hunting bears with my, uh, with my Glock 19. That's... <laughs> yeah. That's some new information. I need to keep that in mind. Um, but no, it's just it's so transparently obvious that these people have no idea what they're talking about. They've never touched a gun. I'm sure a lot of them haven't even seen a gun in person. And, you know, that's not the case for most of America. They're not speaking for all of America when they say these things. They're just speaking for their little elite bubble in in America's like five biggest cities and that's that's it or that uh, like north atlantic beltway of you know dc uh new york boston you know that that area and and that's it but that's that's been the dominating force for democrats for a while now like that that new england uh north atlantic sort of region of people who think that they speak for the whole country when it's just so silly they don't at all. 
Yeah, I mean, and this kind of talk must play well, you know, like in the mm-hmm. on the coast. I mean, it, it, I suppose. I mean, here in Ohio, like Democrats have guns too, <laughs> you know. Like, yeah, and and at least know their way around firearms. So it's like, I like it's so foreign to me. It's like these people live in a completely different universe. But I assume this must play well in New York City. I, yeah. you know, I, I don't know, but I mean, it's like for anybody that isn't familiar with the way guns work, which I doubt is very many people listening to this podcast, but like <laughs> I have a bunch of guns and my AR is by far the least powerful firearm I own. <laughs> you know, like I mean, right. I shoot 55 grain Remington 223 with my AR, which is like, it's extremely light bullet. It's not very powerful. Yeah. I, I wouldn't even think because I am an avid hunter. I wouldn't, I, even if it were legal in Ohio, I would not shoot an animal larger than like a raccoon you know or maybe like a coyote like they're good for like varmint but right. not i i don't even think it's ethical to take a shot at a deer with with 223 at least you know 55 grain when i hunt deer i i use a 450 bushmaster i shoot 250 grain 45 caliber bullets That's okay. it's five <laughs> times as heavy five times as powerful as the 55 grain 223 i, I shoot out of my ar so it's just like there's just no it's just they're just saying words like there isn't any like basis in reality to any of the democrats claims i mean like i get that we're not supposed to talk about abortion because we don't have a uterus but how about like no ar-15 no opinion how about that it seems fair to me (laughs) i i like that idea uh let's let's turn the narrative back um um yeah no i i think it's so silly and and it and the handgun debate particularly is interesting i noticed canada is well they're calling it a freeze on handgun sales transfers and imports um, which essentially just means anyone who has a handgun now are the only people that will ever be able to to well legally own a handgun and um so i've been you know seeing crazy takes on those on on twitter for the last however many days this has been happening and I got in an argument once with this guy, and he was like, you know, there's no reason you need uh, a military-grade ammunition to, to, you know, secure your own self-defense. And then I was like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> the military use way different ammunition than the average person keeps in a handgun. Um, you know, we're walking around with hollow-point bullets. There's no military-grade argument for any of that. And he, he like had no idea what I was talking about and just kind of brushed it off and was like, well, I don't know the the terminology. And (laughs) that's that's like the, that's what we're up against. People who have no idea what they're even talking about. And they just think every gun has this like military grade twist to it. And it's just so silly. Well, one, ask somebody who served in the military, what they think about the term military grade. Because yeah. <laughs> a lot of their gear is falling apart. So, you know, it, I, I, I've, I have been told by reliable sources that the term military grade does not mean the same thing uh, if, for people that have actually served. But I'll tell you what, I mean, the only, you know, quote unquote, military grade weapon I'd want chambered in, in nine millimeter would be the Newsy. I do really want a Newsy. Yeah. I mean, we really need I, I, I think it's like the only Israel's army is the only army that uses nine millimeter in like a submachine gun format um those happen to be the coolest rifles in the world by the way they are i I really want to legalize assault weapons and you know machine gun quote-unquote machine guns whatever the dems say so i can buy an uzi but uh yeah it's not like the u.s military uses nine millimeter for anything but like 
Man, here's the thing, and we're going to find out. We're going to find out who the snakes are within the GOP once again. I mean, Republicans had the upper hand on everything, right? Like, we, we won the gun debate in 2020, yes. right? Like, 44% of all first-time gun purchasers in the year 2020 were black, even though black people are 12.8% of the American population. Okay, so, yeah. like, you know, the gun debate is over. You know, it, p- people in urban areas saw Black Lives Matter and Antifa burning their cities down. They all strapped up um, like they should. And, I mean, so, you know, the cat's out of the bag. The Democrats lost. But, like, the the frustrating thing is Republicans have the upper hand on everything. I mean, de- Democrats have destroyed the economy. Gas is five bucks a gallon. Foreign policy is a disaster. I mean, people are pushing back against the woke stuff. Um, yeah. And Republicans are, are trying to negotiate with Democrats about gun control. Yeah. I mean, McConnell and Cornyn and Romney and some of these guys, they're, they're going to go along with at least part of the gun-grabbing agenda, whether it's red flag laws or whatever, even though none of those proposals would have done anything to prevent the school shooting last week in Texas. The shooter literally committed, like, five felonies beforehand. I mean, murdering cats, threatening to rape women, you know, yeah. all, all these things. So it's like... They, he committed several felonies. Nobody did anything. That's on the cops, not on the gun laws that are on the books or, or lack thereof. But, I mean, we're going to find out who the snakes are within the GOP, and it couldn't happen at a worse time. I mean, this is what always happens, man. I mean, we finally are unified as a party, and these clowns are about to blow it. Yep, yep, and it's exactly the people that you just listed and more. Um, and, yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll cave eventually. They'll be like, well, you know— I support the Second Amendment, but we need reasonable regulations around guns. And then they'll then they'll institute things like red flag laws that the only purpose they serve is to take away people's rights when the government wants to take away people's rights. And they won't actually solve the problem. And then this will happen all over again. And then those same Republicans will move the goalpost again. They'll be like, OK, well, maybe we need a little bit more. And then we'll just have this little short creep of of gun laws that are designed to take guns away from people and they'll just keep going along with it and it's ridiculous i agree uh you know i i've been seeing i've been seeing republicans advocating for things like this and what's most frustrating is that there are actual conservative solutions here if they want to address things like school shootings that they're not even touching Like, why aren't Republicans right now, why why are we focused on giving $40 billion to Ukraine when we can't even protect our own schools? Like, why are we not drafting legislation right now to make sure that schools have the resources they need to protect their students instead of just letting them sit in these huge government buildings like sitting ducks for psychopaths to come in and, and kill? It's it makes no sense. And yeah, I just wish that Republicans would step up instead of um, just conceding all the things that we've worked for. Yeah, I mean, and this happens over and over. I think it's just part of being a Republican. It's like we have the Democrats on their knees right now. And mm-hmm. we'll, we'll, we'll talk about some poll numbers in a few minutes. But like we, we have them on the ropes, man. <laughs> and it's like it's it, we, we constantly do this. You get the ball down to the one yard line and fumble, man. It's like if the if the. GOP caves to the left on gun control, you're just letting the the libs off the hook. I mean, every Republican in Congress should be pushing to expand gun rights. Like, we have the momentum. But they're just yeah. allergic to political victory. <laughs> they just can't do it. And back what you said, obviously there are um, common sense, you know, quote-unquote common sense things to be done, 
first and foremost, hardening schools, letting teachers carry, you know, abolishing the federal gun-free school zones act, obviously would would save a lot of lives. I mean, yeah. gun-free zones kill, man. I mean, they've gun gun-free zones have gotten how many innocent women and children killed over the years? Has any maybe Rand Paul? I don't know, but like is or Thomas Massey? But has anybody else like proposed repealing that? I don't think so. Um, so yeah, it's it's man, it's like we, they can't help themselves. They have to grab defeat from the jaws of victory every single time. Yeah, yeah, totally. And and you know another part of this is just that like this is an issue that we can't legislate completely out of our society. It's like a cultural problem that we need to start addressing where, you know, there's a lot of young men in America that feel kind of isolated and um, they don't have a strong moral compass because they've never been taught to have a strong moral compass and they, they need help. Like we just need to, we need to actually address some real problems here instead of, you know, pointing our fingers at the easy thing, which is, you know, blaming the gun. Um, and, and even after, you know, let's say we've banned the AR-15 somehow, they're just going to use a different gun. Like, it doesn't matter. And and if you've banned all guns, it doesn't matter either because there's 400 million privately owned guns in America already. Like, nothing we do on that front will actually make a difference. I think we can hit a billion by 2030. Yes, yes. That's, that's my goal. <laughs> one, I, I, one billion yeah. by 2030. With this Canada stuff, I was like, geez, well, maybe I might go buy some more. I might go down to Cabela's and get some more some more handguns uh, because it's like and I think a lot of people are thinking the same thing. You know, like I, I think that uh, ultimately uh, the Second Amendment will prevail. But, yeah, I mean, right now it's it's, it's really frustrating to see people claim to be 2A and, and run on that like to get their political office and then completely step all over it. Yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking I could probably make a killing running guns across Lake Erie. <laughs> you probably could, yeah. <laughs> that should be a, a side hustle. Yeah, man. But, uh, yeah, and, like, the Canada stuff obviously is concerning. I mean, evil men are on the move right now. Yeah. Um, you know, we have essentially communist countries on our northern and southern borders, um, countries that have no, basically no, no longer have individual property rights at all. Um, their citizens are disarmed. Um, yeah, man, it's bad. It's bad. I mean, Canada is essentially a failed state at this point, unfortunately. Um, going back to the school shooting um, last week, in light of a lot of the revelations coming out regarding this shooting, a lot of people are coming around to my line of thinking regarding the cops. Okay, I've been anti-cop for a long, long time, not for the same reasons, obviously, that the Democrats are. I just right. don't, tr I don't trust the enforcement arm of an authoritarian government who has no legal requirement to protect anybody. I mean, this has been uh, with, uh, upheld in court um, at the federal level. The cops actually have no legal requirement to protect anybody, including innocent women and children. Um, mm -hmm. So a lot of Republicans are coming around. Hopefully I don't have to see any more of those pickup trucks with the Gadsden flag and the thin blue line flag. <laughs> right next to I'm like, those guys, I'm like, I'm about to have a brain aneurysm every time I see one of those. Phone. Yeah, I'm like, guys, I just, <laughs> I just don't think you understand what you're doing here. But I'm really hoping Republicans generally realize finally who the cops are and, and just take responsibility at large for securing their families and their communities. Take responsibility for your own security. The cops are not going to save you. Yeah, totally, totally agreed. I mean, you know, one of the most 
angering things about that shooting was hearing about what the cops were doing. I mean, standing outside for over an hour and then taking parents who were trying to go in and save their children from literally a school shooter and handcuffing and pepper spraying them for trying to save their children is just sickening. And, you know, the ironic thing is they were also trying to stop the the CBP agents there, the Border Patrol agents that showed up from going in and saving the kids. And eventually the Border Patrol agents just said, you know, we're not listening to you. We're going in and actually saving the children. And um, it's just insane that, you know, an entire police department was there and no one did anything to save these kids. And, And it's it's a pulse. It's it's repulsive that there's been no arrests of them yet, or um, I know there's an investigation going on either at the state or federal level into what happened. But if there's nothing that comes of this for them in terms of justice, I I think there's going to be like actual riots. Yeah, I mean, uh, they'd be a lot more justified than any of the political riots we've seen in the past, I'd say. Agreed. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the Uvalde Police Department is no longer cooperating with the, the state or federal investigations. Uh, they're uh, they're circling the wagons and lawyering up. I mean, they have qualified immunity and they're still lawyering up. Uh, right. Which just, I mean, shows you just the degeneracy within this police department, obviously, just a systematic failure of government um, from top to down. I mean, they, you know, they. they the FBI had been tipped off. A, a girl that this this kid threatened to rape um, told the FBI they didn't do anything. There's pictures all over the place of him carrying bags of dead cats, for yep. goodness sakes. Um, I mean, it's yeah, absolutely pathetic. failure at every level. Every level. Um, and I, you know, and obviously this is the most extreme case because they waited like an hour uh, right. before going in. Um, but the, the same thing happened at Columbine. They they waited 20 minutes or something before going in. They then same thing in uh in Parkland as well. They waited. It wasn't an hour, but they waited significant period of time. It's like these cops, time and time again, are letting us know they do not care about you. They care about themselves. You know, they care about going home to their families, but they really don't care if you okay. do. Um, so you just buy guns, man. Buy guns and learn. Go to the range, practice. Find if you if you suck with a gun in your hand, go find a, a decent firearms instructor. They're not expensive. Go practice at the range. Um, it's important, man. The, the cop, the government is not going to save you. The government is not capable of it, and even when they are, they refuse. So take responsibility for protecting your family. I mean, that's just the bottom line here. I, I hope, I, I hate that a tragedy like this is what finally started waking people up as to, to who and what the cops truly are. But maybe this will save lives in the future. Maybe people will actually take uh, self-defense seriously. And we'll stop relying on the police. I think it will. I've actually seen this in my personal life already um, after the Buffalo shooting, which was a couple weeks ago now um, in a I believe it was a grocery store. Uh, my mom, because we used to live in Syracuse, which was a couple hours away from Buffalo. Yeah. was just like, wow, that's, you know, like, what if uh, what if that happened at, you know, the Kroger down the street from me or, or something. Um, so, you know, she even asked me to, to help her learn how to shoot. And I think that's going to be the case for a lot of people. And I, I hope it is. I think people need to start taking defense into their own hands and stop relying on the government to protect them from everything. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I want to talk about 
uh, a new poll that came out yesterday, and this was from Civics, um, and they released a lot of state-by-state information, which I found fascinating. These numbers, they're, they're pretty consistent with uh, a lot of the other major polling agencies, what's been coming out the last couple weeks. So I don't think this is necessarily an outlier, but these numbers are absolutely brutal for Joe Biden. Um, he's at 31% in both Georgia and Arizona. He's at 34% in both Pennsylvania and Florida. Okay. He's at 42% in both California and New York. Okay, the highest approval rating per state was actually in Massachusetts at 45%. So, I mean, dude, this is absolutely brutal. And the question I want to ask you is what is his floor? Because Trump's <laughs> floor was like 48, 40, 38, 40%. Like, he never really dropped below that because there's enough, like, hardcore MAGA Trump supporters that he just had that, he maintained a base of support even in, like, the worst parts of his presidency, even when things weren't going well. And I don't know. I don't think Biden, like, I know there's a lot of crazy libs out there, but I just don't know if Biden has even that kind of floor. Like, I don't think there's enough journalists, <laughs> Nick. Like, I don't think, right. I, I just don't think there's enough journos and government school teachers to, to keep him afloat. I mean, like, I know there's a lot of them out there. Too many. There's too many of both, uh, if, if you ask me, but not enough. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he drops to, like, 30, 32 percent nationally because i don't think inflation's gonna get any better anytime soon a lot of people are like oh it'll bounce back when inflation levels off i don't know i don't think it's going to the federal reserve i mean they patted themselves on the back by raising the fed funds rate from 0.5 percent to one percent okay like we have the same level of inflation we had in 1980 and the federal reserve jacked the funds rate up to 20 percent okay and that's what finally brought an end to the 1979-1980 record high inflation levels. We're looking at those same levels now, and we're at 1%. Okay, so I don't think anybody's serious. I don't think the government's serious on any meaningful level about inflation. So I think it's going to get worse. Gas is going to keep going up. I don't know. Like, what's Biden's floor? Like, what percentage of Americans will just support this old man no matter what? I honestly don't think it's as many as he thinks it is. And I'll tell you why. Because there's only so much you're willing to pay extra at the gas pump. Like if you're, you know, I mean, I live in Fort Worth, Texas, and we're now up to, uh, I think it's, it, it jumped, it jumped over the, over the weekend. It was like, it was like 420 before the weekend. And now it's at like 450 or something. And, you know, when it takes $70 to fill up a gas tank, I, I just don't see an average American person, uh, continuing to put up with that. But uh, outside of gas, I mean, I, I don't think his floor has hit yet because we haven't seen the worst of the economic situation yet. I think we're really heading for a really bad recession um, if this keeps up and the economy keeps overheating in a lot of areas. Um, I, I don't think the job numbers are going to stay up. I think inflation will stay up. I don't think the housing market is going to significantly improve anytime soon until the bubble pops. And uh, yeah, I think we're heading for some really bad economic times. And I think that's when he'll hit the floor. But it's pretty it's pretty remarkable how far he's fallen. And, and part of this is just that he doesn't have like Trump had a higher floor than Biden just because of how many hardcore supporters he had. Like he, he could do a lot more like he, he could mess up a lot more than Biden can. Biden doesn't have much leeway. He was a lot of people voted for him to be a quote unquote return to normalcy. 
And when they see that the return to normalcy isn't coming, I think that's when his support will really bottom out. Yeah, and Trump, Another, I think a re, a, another big reason for that floor, that that baseline of support for Trump is that, like, I know Trump said a lot of, like, nasty things and would attack people personally, and he, you know, he said some unsavory things about immigrants and other groups of people. Like, I'm not saying he was, like, all positivity all the time. Obviously, that that's, that's ridiculous. But, like, his message was, at the end of the day, like an optimistic, positive message. Like, make America great again is, like, a hopeful, yeah. like— this country was great. It's not anymore, but we can make it great again right now. You know, I mean, that is like a positive message. And everything, you know, I, you know, some of it was his own ego because he likes to brag about stuff. But everything was like the biggest, the best. It's tremendous, and is it all like talking about <laughs> accomplishments and so and so like. But that's that's a positive message. Biden is a hateful old man. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's like, he's, and you're seeing this with the gun stuff. Like, he's just full of hate, man. Like, it makes me, like, that's not how I live my life. Like, I, I don't, look, I don't just try to look for the worst in people. I don't assume, like, nefarious motives. Yeah. I, I do with politicians sometimes, but not with, like, my, not with, like, my friends not with, who are on the left. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not, like, <laughs> yeah. whatever. But, like, the he the way he talks about all this stuff, it's just these, like, prepackaged cliches just insulting Republicans. And it's like... Man, who are you? Like, I yeah, I get it, man. Jen Rubin, you're never gonna lose Jen Rubin, <laughs> okay? Right. Like, you're right. never gonna lose the four hundred thousand people that still watch CNN. You know what I mean? But it's like, <laughs> who are you? Like, by constantly being just this prick. I mean, he's just acting like a douchebag. Like, he's just this mean, spiteful old man. And it's like that's not gonna expand the base. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like that's Bill Clinton didn't was not like that. He was a very optimistic guy. Um, you know, it was like, you just don't, you don't build coalitions with hatred. And I think that's kind of all the Democrats have at this point. Yep. And, and part, he's always sort of been like this. I mean, we all have seen pictures of the, the Clarence Thomas hearing where he was yeah. being like a monster. Um, Joe Biden, that is not Clarence Thomas, right, right. but, but, you know, now I think with his old age, it's just all coming out. Like, for example, a little while back when he he called Peter Ducey a stupid son of a bitch under his breath <laughs> into a microphone. Um, <laughs> like, these are just things that used to just stay in his mind, but he's now saying out loud. Um, so on top of the stereotypical Republican talking points he's always said, uh, he's now just being a spiteful old, old man um, out in the open. He he doesn't even realize it sometime most of the time I don't think. Yeah, and I think it'll be easy. It's especially if he does run again. Um, I mean that that was Obama's line of attack uh, against um, John McCain that he was just this like old curmudgeony you know guy that you know wasn't any fun was mean you know mean to so and so right. mean to whoever and it's like that it, it's gonna be very easy for the Republican nominee to paint Joe Biden in that light, because it's much more accurate. I mean, I, I thought John McCain was a monster, too, but, like, Joe Biden is much more senile and much older and much more hateful than John McCain ever was. So it's like, man, I, I think they're really going to just eat a lot of crow here coming up. I just I think they're cruising for a bruising. Um, one more thing before I let you go, man, um, and this is kind of a boring topic to end the show, but I think it's it's worth mentioning. I haven't talked too much about the primary results from the last few weeks, um, but pundits on both sides of the right, 
I mean, you know, leftists will, you know, it's all predictable stuff coming out of them. But like the uh, like from the pro-Trump and anti-Trump writers on the right, they're they're trying to take all these primary results and make them into a referendum on Trump, either in the positive or the negative. Like, see, like Trump still controls the GOP or see Trump has no control over the GOP anymore. Like his time's over. And it's like (laughs) the real answer is like kind of to to both (laughs) because like. Trump certainly dragged Dr. Oz over the finish line in Pennsylvania. He most more most certainly dragged uh, J.D. Vance over the the line in in Ohio. But like in Georgia, Marjorie Taylor Greene won her primary in a landslide. At the same time, Brian Kemp, who Trump hates, won his primary in a landslide against David Perdue, who Trump was actively campaigning for. So it's like my takeaway, and let me know if I'm wrong. It, it, voters just like candidates that they like, man. Okay, like people in Marjorie Taylor Greene's district like her, people who have lived under uh, Kemp's governance the last four years like him, and people vote for who they like. I mean, the candidates matter. Okay, it's not all about Trump. It's not all right. about what is, is Trump's endorsement worth 50 points or 20 points. It doesn't matter. Like, candidates matter. Georgians like Kemp. They like Green, And that's just kind of, you know, sometimes it just comes down to the individual candidates. Am I missing something here? Because, I, I, like, looking through it, it's like there's really no way to tell— they're, they're like, I think all these writers are morons because I, I can't really see a commonality between all these races. Like, you can't say, like, yep, it's Trump's party or no, it's not. Like, I don't know. There's plenty of evidence to the contrary or both of those arguments. Yeah. No, I, I think that's that's an accurate um, assessment of it. Like, OK, for example, in Pennsylvania, um, Oz probably wouldn't have won without the Trump endorsement. Maybe he would have. But. I think that kind of carry him over the finish line, but it wasn't a dramatic enough that it would have been landslide without it. Um, no, no. no. And, you know, I think, I I don't think the, uh, Georgia governor race would have changed much regardless of who he endorsed in that. I just think, yeah, people know what's best for their own States and their own communities. Uh, some people will default to the Trump idea, but I think that audience is shrinking a bit. Um, I think people are just not really pleased with a lot of his endorsements and have said, okay, well, I'm just going to vote for who I think is best. Um, And actually, this might be part of the next phase of the GOP where Trump and Trumpism kind of separate a little bit and and people start to say, okay, well, maybe Trumpism would actually be better served um, by this person over this person or, you know, like. It's it's sort of what happened after Reagan, where people started to say, OK, um, you know, I, I don't know who would, you know, without Reagan at the helm, we have to sort of decide who would be best serving this sort of agenda. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think that's pretty accurate. Yeah, I mean, hopefully Republicans make better choices than they did in the post-Reagan era. Um, yes. I yes. mean, yes, guys. Know. <laughs> yeah, just a string of terrible, terrible nominees um, yeah. for, you know, almost 30 years. So that not great. Not great. Not great, everybody. Uh, but yeah, like I, I think uh, like if I had to guess, I, I'd imagine that like whether Trump runs or not, I think it's going to be really tough, like in 2024 for a Republican to win the GOP nomination without Trump's support. Yes. Because, like, nationally speaking, but, like, you're right, when it comes to these state races and, like, congressional races, I don't think it matters that much, man. I, I think Trump is popular, but he's not 
it's not like that. It's not so po- he's not so personally popular that people will just vote for whoever candidate he tells them to. Like right. I think that the like the the people in the Trump camp that kind of still believe that, I don't know. Cuz I mean you see like maybe, you know, maybe like February 2021, you know what I mean? Like right out of office he was that personally popular, but I don't know. Time time moves on, people, you know, people change a little bit, but it's like I I just got a kick out of reading these reaction pieces to the primary results it's like see like the gop is bad because it's all a trump party look at marjorie taylor green it's like yeah brian camp won by 50 50 like, <laughs> that was, that was like ridiculous blowout i mean he, he just took david purdue behind the woodshed so it's like you just can't i don't know Pe- people they love writing these think pieces but i just i don't know i don't think there's too much merit to it they're, they're just trying to fulfill the narrative that they've been, you know, parroting since whatever year. Um, and, and I think that's the reason for a lot of those pieces. Like, they're just you, – you could have read the primaries that we just had any way you wanted, and you could have made some sort of argument that it was correct. And I think that's what people did with those pieces. Yeah, I mean, because we had, like, you know, 50 races, so. Right, right. <laughs> like, look at this little cluster of races. See, I was right. And it's like, no, you weren't fully right, but okay. Yeah, just let your red meat base eat that up, I guess. Yeah, and it's also, like, insulting the voters themselves. It's like, you really think that, like, Ohio primary voters are the same as, like, you know, voters in, like, Marjorie Taylor Greene's, like, south-central Georgia very yeah. small district. Like it's like you're talking about drastically different groups of people with different values and priorities. So it's like, you know, like people are going to really care about the border in Arizona and in Ohio people. I wish they cared more, but could not care less about the southern border. So it's like, you know, it's just not. I don't know. Like I don't think it's it's worthwhile like trying to read too much into this stuff. But Nick, my brother, thanks for doing this, man. Let's do it again soon. It's always a pleasure. Uh, where can everybody follow you online? Keep in touch. All that good stuff. Yeah, uh, you can find more information about my writings and such at nicklindquist.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at Nick underscore Lindquist. Everybody follow Nick. He's great. That's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Monday. No gimmicks. (laughs) 